This is Taylor Talk, the number one Taylor Swift podcast brought to you by taylortalk.org. Well, hey there, Taylor Nation, and welcome to episode 168 of Taylor Talk, the Taylor Swift podcast. My name is Adam. I'm Diane. And I'm Steve. What's up, guys? How you doing? Good. Hello. Good, good. We got a missing voice this week. Sammy is sick this week, so if any of you are connected with her on social media, go uh, wish her well. Wish her well. Let her know you hope her voice comes back soon, because she sounds like this right now. <laughs> this is what she sounds like. Uh, hopefully, she'll be back with us next week. So, let's get on with the episode then. Just a few things before we get to our news and calendar. Right now... For those of you that are following us on social media, you already know we have an ongoing survey so you guys can help us craft the future of Taylor Talk. We're kind of getting feedback from you guys on what you like, what we could be doing differently, and you know whether or not you'd like us to expand, which quite a few people want us to get into YouTube. That could be fun. Like a lot of people want us to get into YouTube. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll start doing that pretty soon. Um, a few things I wanted to point out from the responses I've already gotten that I wanted to address. Somebody said they wished we were easier to reach, and I didn't quite understand that. I was scratching my head because if you guys go to taylortalk.org slash contact, we have about 800 million different ways you can contact us. So if you don't have Facebook, you can reach us on Twitter. You don't have Twitter, you can email us. You can't, don't want to email us, you can call us. So there's a bunch of different ways. That was, that was, you know, that. So just wanted to share. And of course, because you guys are hopefully listening on Monday, January 12th, I'm going to wish a happy birthday to Annabelle. She turns 20 today. Yay. Happy Yay, birthday. Happy, happy birthday. birthday. Actually, technically right now it is her birthday in Australia. Is that where she's from? Yes. Are you sure? Well, it doesn't matter I'm making because you it's still her birthday right in Australia, even if she's not from Australia, but I'm pretty sure she's from Australia. Well, that's why I specified Annabelle's birthday is on the 12th. Happy birthday. Shout out. Woohoo. Yay. <laughs> so real quick, again, we got a Dear Taylor letter. This one came from Facebook where um, the Dear Taylor letters are people who somehow oddly mistake us for being Taylor Swift. I'm not Taylor Swift, by the way. So we got, hey, Taylor. I just wanted to say hey. And also... You're gorgeous. Wrong your, by the way. Do you have a Facebook? If you do, can I add you? Now, I don't know, Diane, you're the only female on the panel. Is that a good pickup line? No, it's really not. Is this like dating of the 21st century now? Like, hey, Taylor, you got a Facebook? Let's let's be Facebook friends. No, because that comes off as really creepy. <laughs> you have to be super casual about it. You can't say that a... a um, girl is pretty right off the bat because then she's like what do you want so you can't it doesn't work dating tips 101 with diane here on taylor talk come to me if you need advice (laughs) hey steve yes i haven't heard much from you uh this episode so far i know we're only a few minutes in we're not uh, we're not even to the news and calendar yet i i usually don't say anything in this part (laughs) well (laughs) that's why i'm asking you a question what do you call a bear with no teeth? Uh, a gummy bear. Oh, <laughs> nice. That joke was shared with me by uh, Rachel. So shout out. Also a great cartoon from back in the day. Gummy bears were a cartoon? Yeah. Well then, <laughs> <laughs> leave it to Steve to know something like that, right? 
So, who does the news usually? Usually it's Sammy. Oh, that means I got to do it again, I guess. Yeah. I, I feel like you've heard enough from me already, but I'll do it anyway. There's only a few items here in the uh, Taylor Swift news. The People's Choice Awards were last week in Los Angeles. Although Taylor did not attend, she did win all three awards for which she was nominated. Favorite female artist, favorite pop artist, and favorite song for Shake It Off. Congrats, Taylor. That's awesome. She wins and she doesn't even go to the awards. <laughs> Well, she's just used to winning. You know? Like <laughs> when awards come that easily to you, you're just kind of like, eh, you're like, whatever. I'll have somebody just, pick them up and deliver them to yeah, me later. Just a typical Wednesday. <laughs> yeah, right. Also, Taylor took a well-deserved vacation after busting her butt to give us an awesome album, and she spent a day twenty-six miles across the sea. At Catalina Island, it's an island off the coast of California, uh, 26 miles off the coast to be exact, in case you couldn't figure that one out, with her friends and family. Who was there? Lord was there. Um, who else? Somebody help me um, out. Gracie Haim. Gold Haim. Was Steve, there. you love Haim. Her dad I, I was believe there. it's Haim, but yeah. Haim? Sorry. Haim. It's all you're, good. You're, you're, the, you're the fan, not it's me. It's H-A-I-M. Yes. And their I music is that. awesome, and you should listen to them if you're not already. And the highlight of that trip was the fact that people noticed that Taylor and her dad apparently share plaid shirts. <laughs> I saw that picture floating around here. They either share them or they bought like a family set and they can all coordinate. Maybe they used them for Christmas photos once, like got matching shirts. And so now they happen to both have the same one that they just happen to wear the same trip. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it for your uh, Taylor news for the week. Diane, what does she have coming up on her calendar? Well, uh, two things next month. On February 8th is the 57th Annual Grammy Awards. Uh, Taylor's nominated for Record of the Year, Song of the Year, and Best Pop Performance for Shake It Off. And then on February 25th, Taylor will perform at the Brit Awards 2015. That's all she has coming up? That's all. Oh, man. What boring news in calendar Unless she does episode. something surprising. I. That's all we know. <laughs> Surprise! <laughs> All right. she's, she's probably building tour sets as we speak, so uh, she's kind of busy. <laughs> or she's busy on the beach. Just doing Well, that's true, too. <laughs> so today we're going to be talking about a song that came as a request from Rachel, who, for those who don't know who Rachel is, she actually helps us out and runs our Taylor Talk Instagram account and also Facebook account. And she's been a listener for a long time. And she requested that we discuss this love this episode. And it's very fitting since uh, Taylor tweeted or Instagrammed or whatever a lyric. She did from both. It. Yeah. I guess it was Instagram, but came up on Twitter. Yes. But either way, so Taylor, Taylor requested we do this song this week too. You know, <laughs> Taylor called up and she's like, hey, Taylor, talk. It's Taylor. Uh, can you guys talk about this song this week? I'm kidding. She didn't actually do that. Rachel did, though. So <laughs> we're going to be chatting about it. And I really hope we do this song justice because uh, uh, something Rachel pointed out is that it, it's very poetic. It's just like a poem. And there's a great discussion to be had about it. And I hope we live up to it. So let's dive straight into it. Does anyone want to talk about a general overview about what the song's about before we get into detail? When I think about this song, I think of the quote, um, um, if you love something, let it go. Um, if it comes back, that's how you know. Ooh. Is that from a song? I don't know where it's from, but I, I've heard that before online on little quotes, things and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, that's pretty much what the song's about. Right? What, about letting love go and letting it come back to you if it's real? Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Now, this song kind of holds a special place in my heart because... 
It is the only song off 1989 where the only writing credit is Taylor herself. Every other song had a co-writer listed. Um, this one it was exclusively Taylor, which means, you know, don't hate on it. I know it's not one of the most talked about on the album because there's a lot of phenomenal songs, but it is in itself a brilliant album. And I think it's very characteristic of Taylor, the fact that this is lyrically so strong, even uh, if it's not someone's favorite. Well, another thing about this particular song, Adam, this is actually the only song on this album that was produced by Nathan Chapman. Oh. Who, obviously, you know from a lot of her previous success, produced a lot of her great country hits. Yeah, he did a lot of her early work. That is interesting fact, Steve. It's good to good to know. So it's kind of almost like this one song was to pay homage to works of her past while still fitting the theme and sound of 1989. Right, because it was recorded in his studio in Nashville. So it is the only one recorded in Nashville of all these. Most of them were either recorded. How do you know that? It's in the lyric book. Steve knows oh. things. It's, <laughs> I should have read the I know places. Book. I know things. If you, <laughs> if you look in the little lyric book, it does have like a breakdown of everybody involved with it. And I did notice that his name showed up there and also his studio. So, Well, that was nice of Taylor to uh, work yeah. with him on at least one song. Did his name, do you happen to know offhand if his name appeared on any other credits on 1989? No, no just this song. I looked at them all pretty good, but I mean... You know, he produced this song, but he also plays the electric guitar, the bass, the keyboards, the drums, and the background vocals. So, oh, wow. Yeah. But that's what producers are good at. <laughs> everything. Yes. They do everything. And it's even their own studio. That's what's great, too. It's like, oh, you got to be a producer. Got to have my own studio to perform in here, you know? Well, I mean, that's if you're big enough and have the funding to do so. Well, you got to be pretty successful to have your own studio, I would yes. think. Yes, well, he's done his fair share of hits. Also, I did check his website out, and it does show him as being credited with producing this song. Okay. Well, Steve, if the lyric book said it, I, I would have trusted that alone. I yeah, but I didn't need to see, to see it, it on, on his, his website. website. I just wanted to look and see. Well, I guess that just means he's proud of it, right? Yeah. All right, so let's talk about the song then. So Taylor wanted the vocals to sound haunting. Did did she accomplish that task? Oh, definitely. I mean, um, I think she said that she wanted to um, experiment with um, all these different types of like uh, sound styles. So she used, um, I don't know, it just kind of sounds like this um, call and return almost in a way. You know, there's just um, all these different... Um, voice sounds going on i mean i mean like um i think it sounds haunting yeah you know, so she you know, did actually say that she wanted it to sound that way yeah where uh it's it's a video on youtube you. hold on sources is it is it the video where she talks about every song briefly? yeah it's okay. that one i was just giving you a hard time you scared me because i was like well i don't know exactly what interview that was for it's just on youtube and it's her voice so i think it's legit it's her on youtube and you know it sounds yeah. like taylor talking but so did that one song that came out a couple of years ago that everyone's like it's a taylor song off the next album that got leaked when really it was like some girl good times good times good times so the secret message of the song, timing is a funny thing. I don't get it. What do you mean you don't get it? I don't get it. What, Somebody fill me in. Like, what are you confused about? I just, it's timing is a funny thing in what way? Like, timing thing, is a funny thing. That that part's true. I guess just, like, things happen 
in a time that you don't expect them to sometimes. Like, you're like, oh, that's funny. This guy decided to come back into my life now. So, in the, yeah, in this case, I guess if we get into the lyrics, it might make a little more sense. Well, actually, Adam, if you look at the lyric or the special messages as a whole. Yeah. I mean, the, it, we've said before that it tells one complete story. The song before this is How You Get the Girl. And the secret message on that one is then one day he came back. And then this love follows that up with timing is a funny thing. What about the song after? The song is after is I Know Places and it's and everyone was watching. So does that make a better? That just made it very clear, bringing it as part of a whole story. Because like we've talked about, the idea of this being sort of a concept album where all the songs work together. Right. You know, I... In theory, it's about one single relationship, and I can think of one in particular that was highly publicized that did start under the radar, then end, and then restart, and was all over the news. Mm-hmm. You guys know which one I'm talking Supposedly, about. Supposedly. Allegedly. <laughs> nothing's confirmed. <laughs> well, nothing's ever confirmed unless Taylor herself says it, so the best we can do is speculate, which... This might be a good time to throw in that disclaimer because we do have a lot of new listeners out there. And I know people have been like, oh, Taylor said this about it. You guys were wrong. A lot of this is our own opinions and how the songs relate to us and how they can relate to other people, because that is one of the appeals of Taylor's music. So, you know, in this case, sometimes it's not necessarily what Taylor was thinking or saying at the time, but our interpretation of the songs in the lyrics. So that's something I think is kind of important to point out. Mm-hmm. So in this case, you said allegedly, but, you know, heavily rumored that um, there was one particular male she dated briefly and no one really knew. I'm they- almost um, of the um, opinion now, though, that it doesn't matter who these songs are about because I don't think she cares about that anymore. And I don't think she wants that to be um, a focus of like who the person is that this is about. Like she wants people to talk about the words and like the actual sound. Right. Yeah, no, I would, I would agree. And I mean, there is a reason that we don't name drop too much on here. Be like, Oh, this boyfriend, that boyfriend, because that's not really relevant to what we're trying to accomplish. Mm -mm. Um, What is relevant is the story, which you said is somebody that was there, then left, and then came back. And we were talking about the secret message. Timing is a funny thing, which, Steve, I appreciate you clearing that up by presenting the messages before and after. You're welcome. Yeah. I was waiting for you to say you're welcome. <laughs> Usually that's the polite thing to do when somebody yeah, That is exactly you. the polite thing to do. <laughs> so let's get into the lyrics then. First verse, clear blue water, which is uh, the quote I was talking about that Taylor Instagrammed slash tweeted this past week while she was on vacation. High tide came and brought you in, and I could go on and on and on and on. I will. Skies grew darker. Currents swept you out again, and you were just gone and gone. Gone and gone. Nice reading. <laughs> I know. we got to start, like, in one of those poetry bars. Like, I'll read this and people we should. snap. I think that would be a fun idea. To go to, like, one of those poetry places and read Taylor Swift lyrics and see if anybody picks it up. Yes. <laughs> They'll be like, that was deep, brother. <laughs> So what's this first verse mean to you guys? Well, I think one of the things, especially how these lyrics are worded, the re- the repetition actually is kind of reminiscent of standing on a beach and watching the ocean Waves tide come in and out. And out. Yeah. I mean, it, it kind of goes right with that, which is really kind of neat 
you kind of get a good visual on that. Oh, you're talking about how, like, if you were actually on a beach, the sound you hear is whoosh, whoosh. Yeah. Right. Whoosh. It's, just, it's just repetition, and that's exactly what this is. Gone and gone and gone, you know, on and on and on. So that really gave me that good visual because the lyrics were playing right into that actual, you know, the clear uh, blue water and the high t- tide coming in. So. It almost makes you feel the situation, not just envision it, but actually feel it. Right. Right. And in this case, she's talking about the male character coming and going. Yeah. And um, and um, it is kind of um, interesting to note that for the first line, she says clear blue water, which is something, you know, that sounds very um, n- um nice and pretty and that's when the man came um into her life and then in the third line she says skies grew um darker so the um the um relationship was um over you know so it it just was like this dark place and it just was not as um pretty anymore you know like a dark like you know like some kind of storm or something yeah she gave a visual interpretation of the A situation like yeah. sort of yeah I, I do you get where i'm going with that yeah, I don't no know that's exactly what that. i was trying to say <laughs> okay okay yeah so that's the first verse then it goes on to in silent screams in wildest dreams i never dreamed of this and i mean the obvious thing we have to point out there is wildest dreams reference because wildest dreams is I'm about to get like PG-13 here, but Wildest Dreams is is widely speculated to be about a sexual encounter. Mm-hmm. But I don't know if she meant that necessarily in this song. Well, what I'm getting to is Wildest Dreams could be the feelings behind that encounter where this reference is to the encounter itself. It's like a brief reference. I'm I'm trying to think if I'm describing that properly, but it's sort of like... You know, Taylor has said in her songs that she takes a brief moment in time, like Mm -hmm. a pinpoint in time. And writes a song about it. And writes the feelings of that moment. And and so Wildest Dreams is a moment in time. And then she makes an experience out of it in the form of a song. And I think this might be a reference to that experience. You could look at it that way, but you also don't know necessarily if she wrote this love before or um after writing wild we don't know it's pure speculation i don't know the order of when she wrote these it as what you're saying adam or you could see it as how she meant it just like i never thought that this could happen i'm leaning towards the second one there yeah what you're saying diane because people use that particular phrase all the time Mm -hmm. you know it's like oh yeah well just only in your wildest dreams would you ever be able to date Taylor Swift or something like that. You know, that yeah. kind of stuff. That's that's referenced a lot like that. So it's almost to the point of when something, when that love has been there and has gone out, you would never, ever expect it to come back to you again. Right. So that phrase is almost like a, um, is almost like a um, cliche in a way since it's used so often. But I think one of the lines that is perhaps m- um, more um, interesting is silent screams. Yes. Screams are not silent. So what's going on with In that? your dreams they are, though. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, well, sometimes. Well, so- sometimes people awake or scream 
in the night and that kind of stuff. But a lot of times if you're dreaming and you scream, it doesn't make a sound. Yeah. Because it's all in your mind. Then that's what I think this is referring to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just I think it's all about just this is all just a dream piece here, you know. Um. Yes. We're referring but also, to also when I think of silent screams, it can also be in reference to some sort of excruciating pain. You know, have you ever like seen the people that laugh so hard they don't make noise? I do that. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's yeah. exactly what I do. Um. Same kind of concept, like some sort of pain that's so excruciating that when you scream, no noise comes out. It's possible that it's Mm -hmm. like the pain of um, losing this person, but she for some reason can't talk about that pain or doesn't feel like she can. I don't know. That could be too, yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, Something I do want to point out that I was just thinking of is going back to my theory of before of it referencing the song Wildest Dreams. Wildest Dreams is two songs prior on this album. It's two songs before this love. You only have how you get the girl in between. Mm -hmm. So going on the concept album idea, it's telling a story in order. So it is possible that that's referencing back to an earlier part of the story. That could be. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to point that out so I don't seem like a complete dum-dum because you both are like, no, you're wrong, Adam. And I'm like, maybe not. Well, just because we don't agree with your theory doesn't mean you're wrong. No. No, it doesn't. (laughs) But if you say something that does not agree with me, then you're wrong. Mm. (laughs) Next up, Chorus. This love is good. This love is bad. That line right from the beginning is very interesting. It, it's like, what were we talking about with the Wonderland last week? That was, um, it's uh, life, uh, something, what's the line? Life never worse, never but worse, never better. Never better. I feel like that's a recurring theme. Going off the, the concept album idea again, that this is one story and one relationship, that seems to be a recurring theme, that situations are both good and bad at the same time. Like, it feels good at the time, but it's actually a bad situation. Mm-hmm. So I think that's interesting to note. The next line, this love is alive, back from the dead. Self-explanatory? Pretty much. Pretty much. It's like they broke up, now they're back together. These hands had to let it go free, and this love came back to me. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> had to do it. So what are your thoughts on, on those last two lines of the chorus then? Uh, I think it's – oh, sorry, Steve, where you going? Uh, just pretty much this whole chorus, just the opposites, just uh, – and the lyrics just go so well together. I, I just – Well, with that particular line, these hands had to let it go free and this love came back to me, is one of those situations, in my opinion, where it's like when – she let it go. She didn't necessarily want to, but had to, and not necessarily trusted it would come back, but, but hoped it would. Hoped it would, right? And knew that if it was meant to be, it would, right? That's so perfect. I think that's what. It's just a very poetic way of saying that, mm-hmm. and you know, sometimes in order to get something to work, you have to sort of. If there's multiple people involved, sometimes one has to give up and let the other pull their weight for it to then work. Mm -hmm. So then do you think this song supports a fate concept? 
or not. Really. I would say so. I would say it, it supports that concept, but not in in the sort of ooh form of fate, like <laughs> uh, like uh, predestined to be together type concept. I don't think that's what it's getting at necessarily. I think it's more like two people that already know each other. If they truly did love each other, they would they end up back to together. Back together like because they wouldn't be able to live yeah. without the other uh the other person. So I think that's what that is. So it's kind of supporting fate, but it, it depends on your definition of fate, really. Yeah, but isn't isn't this kind of your typical movie sort of setup? You know, yeah, people get together, break up, and then in the end they get back together again. Well, movies are quite often exaggerations of reality. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's exactly what they are. Exaggerations of reality. However, Steve, this is someone's real life, and being that Taylor is currently single, uh, I would say that this one didn't quite work out in the end. Mm-hmm. Um, the next verse... Tossing, turning, struggled through the night with someone new. Ooh, there was a boo in between. There was a boo. Taylor had a boo in between. (laughs) But that's an interesting sort of feeling she's portraying there. Like, it's not necessarily that she got a bad night's sleep with the new person, but it's like... She's still thinking about that original person. Yeah, still thinking about the first one. And struggling with it, like, the feeling's just not there with the new person. Yeah. And I could go on and on and on and on. Sorry, I don't sound like Taylor. I really don't. I try. (laughs) Um, Lantern burning flickered in my mind for only you. I love that. Have you guys ever felt that before, where there's, like, somebody on your mind and you can't stop thinking about them? Yeah, and um, I, I, um, I think this line works to um, paint that picture, but it also works too because um, lanterns contain fire, so it's like Taylor only has passion for this one person, which is why she's, um, sh- which is why she's having a hard time um, loving this n- new person that she's with because she only has like that love passion for is it possible that based on your flame theory that loving him was red Ah! (laughs) i did it red flashback good job um totally off topic but does red still feel like not old to you guys because it still feels like a new album to me it it actually feels old to me now how dare you Um, insult (laughs) so um, you know, that line getting back on topic, lantern burning flickered in my mind only for you. It's interesting you said that, Diane, because the visual for me is a low burning light of her sitting up at night thinking about this person like she can't sleep. She's sitting up in Ooh. candlelight. And so it actually, besides the feeling, provided a visual for me that's not a literal visual, but just what came into my head. Mm hmm. So, Steve, I don't know if you have anything to say um, about that. I'm pretty much I'm, I'm with you guys on that one there. Either one of those is, is pretty solid. Steve's like, I like everybody's theory. I like everybody's theory. I don't know if I have my own on this one. Steve, you. have you been losing grip? Oh, sinking ships, you showed up just in time. Is it oh, sinking ships? Because I thought it was on sinking ships. Ooh, I don't know who copied and pasted these lyrics into I, our notes. I copied and pasted them. It is Where'd you on get it from, sinking ships. 
It's on. on sing- okay, good. On I'm glad we clarified chips. that. I have the real legit lyrical booklet in my hand right now. Diane, where'd you get these lyrics? Google. <laughs> Everything on the internet is true. Um, Apparently not. <laughs> <laughs> so, been losing grip on sinking ships. You showed up just in time. Another cool visual. It's uh, it's like being out at sea and the the hero comes just in time to save her as she's losing her mind. She's slowly drowning on a sinking ship. And and they came back into her life just at the right moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Isn't it interesting similarities between songs, even if the stories aren't necessarily related, because that drowning concept appears in clean. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting to me how Taylor can portray similar feelings using similar visuals, but different lyrics in different situations. So in this song, it's... Um, almost like she was um, about to drown, but she got saved by this man just in time. When in clean, she saves herself. Right? So different perspectives. Say that again one more time for me. Well, in this song, she's um, about to um, drown, supposedly. I mean, it seems like that. But this person showed up just in time. But then in clean... When the same thing happens, she saves herself and she doesn't need that man anymore. Oh, so there's a growth from this song to clean, which would make sense in the order of the album. Mm -hmm. So in this one, she needs a hero and in clean, she saves herself. And that's where some of the growth comes from. And um, that's a good thing to point out, Diane. Thank you. You're welcome. See, Steve, how I did that? I said, you're welcome after someone said thank you. That was good. Yeah, you know, it happens. Uh, <laughs> then it go, the song goes back to the chorus. This love is good. This uh, love is bad. This love is alive. Back from the dead. These hands had to let it go free. This love came back to me. Okay, we already covered that. Then we have this love left a permanent mark. This love is glowing in the dark. <laughs> Glow in the dark. These hands had to let it go free, and this love came back to me. So she tweaks the chorus slightly. Those first two lines, this love left a permanent mark. This love is glowing in the dark. Thoughts? I didn't know what she said in that first line until today. This love left a uh, permanent mark. Because the Uh-oh. way she sings Diana it. read the lyric. Steve, should you check the lyric book to make sure Diana knows the real no, lyrics? No, no, that's, that's what my... it is. That's what it is. Oh, good, good, good. I just couldn't quite hear her when she was singing it because she sounds so, I don't know, almost like um, other um, worldly when she sings that part. Like, it isn't sound like um english to me i don't know (laughs) it's pretty though well what do you think it means this love left a permanent mark Mm -hmm. Mm, like it scarred her i mean i I guess scarred isn't the right word just it's something that she's always gonna remember i guess more like what do you think of the two lines together the second part this love is glowing in the dark like does that mean it's flickering is it about to go out is it what is it? Is it a little highlight in a sea of darkness? Is it? Well, a mark would stand out, um, you know, um, on yourself or or something, and then light stands out in the dark. So it's just kind of like the same meaning, but just written two different ways. Do you guys ever have anything that glows in the dark? I used to have these cool little stars you put on the ceiling of my bedroom. Okay. And they would glow in the dark, so it was like you had stars. But, so you would have your lights on in your room during the day, right? And then you would, well, then when you go light. to bed, you turn the light out. 
and then the stars would you know light up but they mm-hmm. would slowly slowly dim and then eventually go out i think Ooh. that's what this is steve where have you been this conversation <laughs> how do you come up with that <laughs> that is clever sir thank you that was pretty you're cool. welcome um, so, Steve, that was a great point. So she saw that that the love was the type of love that was slowly fading out until it was nothing and disappearing. That's your theory. I like that. That was good. Cool. That, that was good, Steve. Thumbs up to Steve. Yeah. Everybody give Steve a pat on the back right now. Unless good you job, didn't like Steve. what I said and you have a better version of the lyric, please share. I'm game. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then, then it gets to the bridge. Your, your kiss, my cheek, I watched you leave. Your smile, my ghost, I fell to my knees. When you're young, you just run, but you come back to what you need. So beautiful. It is that part, like, uh, here's another recurring thing. Kisses on cheeks. That was in How You Get the Girl, right? Yeah. Kisses on cheeks, cheeks, that part. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, I mean, you know, I, I think these recurring concepts and recurring visuals have a purpose, and that is to link the songs. That's to verify it's about the same relationship at a different point in time. Mm-hmm. So in How You Get the Girl, it, the kisses on cheeks is, is a happy visual. It's like it's saying something like, look how in love we are, the kiss on the cheek. And now it's supposed to be a sad visual. And where did we say this came in order versus how you get the girl? It's, it's after, after, right? It's right after, yeah. Yeah, immediately after. So you have a happy visual of this couple and the kisses on cheeks. And then all of a sudden the kiss on the cheek becomes the goodbye. Is that yeah. a last kiss, if you will? Nah, I think it's a different person, but yeah, it's I think a different it's person. But I'm saying, is kiss. it a last kiss though? That's kind of what it sounds like it could be. Well, I would, I would say so because she says that I watched you leave, right? Mm-hmm. So it, it's definitely a goodbye kiss there. Mm-hmm. Um, then you got your smile, my ghost. I fell to my knees. That is another reference back to how you get the girl. Which one is? Well, that whole. Um, I, well, I, I think it is. Uh, let me rephrase that. My interpretation says okay. it is. How? Because your smile, it's, I think, a reference back to the James Dean daydream look. In your eyes. That's yes. that's the style, though. That's not a um, oh, how, how you get the sorry. reference. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I had it on my mind, and I said the wrong thing. <laughs> that's okay. Freudian slip. Is that what that's called? No. I don't know. What? Steve says no. I Steve, know. I think you're wrong. That 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 is. It's where you're thinking about something, but you say something else. Okay. You know what I'm talking yeah, about? Yeah, I know what you mean. It, it's like I had how you get the girl on my mind, and so it came out when I wasn't really even thinking. No, yeah, no. it's like your subconscious taking over. It, it is. Uh, it's my ghost. Uh, ah. I, your smile, my ghost. Um. But yeah, I, that's that's what I picture. Because have you guys seen those that that sort of James Dean? It's sort of like a a smile. It's <laughs> I'm just okay. You guys are killing me right now because no, I can't describe what's to, on my mind. It's just and funny you guys to are clearly not getting to what. Talk about how cute James Dean is. It's like you're trying to describe it, but you. you, you I wasn't can't. calling him 
cute or handsome or I think you're putting words into Adam's mouth. That's not very nice. I know, I am, I am. Okay, I was simply trying to say that in my mind, the two visuals are the same. Okay. It's her ghost is what she's picturing in her head, and that's the smile, and that's the whole look. Like, that's... Wait, her ghost is in her, or her ghost no, is in No, it's saying this guy's your haunting. smile, my ghost. Like, I'm picturing her as saying, I, the way I interpret it is that she's saying her ghost is his smile. Like, she is she thinking in his head. Of, yeah. That's what she's picturing in her head is his smile, and that's the look that's haunting her. Yeah. Awesome. Or, that's what I think or, too. or. And to me, where I was finding the link is the smile is the James Dean look. Okay. Ooh, cool. That's, again, my interpretation. Right. So don't hate me for it but that's that's where i'm seeing a link personally and i could be completely wrong but i don't think so Uh, the only one that i have slightly different on the whole my ghost thing because that that one perplexed me for a while i was trying to figure out what i was trying to get out of that i was like because i'm not thinking like a real ghost but i'm almost thinking when you know that person is leaving there and she can just visualize herself being with them you know, kind of how they have, like, that dream sequence where it's kind of like she's there, but she's not. Like, that. you know, they're going and having a good time, and that's how I kind of am seeing that. Well, Steve, I think that's right. It's not a ghost that jumps out at you and says, boo. Right. But it's like one of those ghosts where it's like if she were to eat at a restaurant that they had once eaten at together, she would be able in her mind to see him sitting in the seat and wearing what he was wearing, looking how he was looking. Right. Right. I think that's what you're, that's what I'm going for. Yeah. And, and that's how I see it. Also, it's, it's, she's in these situations that are familiar and she's seeing him there with her because he was in a past situation. And that's, that's what that is, is his smiles now haunting her. Mm-hmm. In the form of a ghost. Get it? I got it. it. Good. Diane, you you messed that up. Get it? Got it? Good. How Steve am I got supposed it. Supposed to now. know this stuff. <laughs> we, we've only done. You, this you need a to grow up times. a few years and be old like me and Steve. Ugh. But then you'll just be older. You guys, Get it? You guys didn't got know it. what the heck uh, gummy bears were there that there was a TV show. So, mm, well, that's because it was a terrible TV show. I'm sure. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> but when you're young. You just run, but what you come back that ah, but, you, but come you come back to what you need. Another great line. It is a great line because I see the first part of it showing a sense of immaturity. It's like when you hit a rough patch, you you just run from it because you don't know how to deal with it. But then you eventually come back because that's something you need. I, I can kind of go with that. Actually, what I was thinking is almost everybody, when they're little, at some point in time. You feel like running away from home. Oh, yeah, I did that. I've done it before. Yeah, it's like... I got all the way, like, past the next-door neighbor's house before my dad came and got me. Mm -hmm. I got to our mailbox. (laughs) Oh. And I didn't leave. I just sat there, and I was like, nah, I'm going back. Well, and and that's exactly what this would be. A lot of times, you know, some parents will go and say, oh, you know what, I better go get them. But other times, some parents will be, hey, you know what, they'll come back. You give them a second, they'll they'll come back. They'll figure out that hey, you know, hey, we're gonna be eating dinner and all that. They get hungry, all of a sudden they're gonna come right back. So, I think it's kind of like that. And and when you're young, that's that's always the answer is you can run away from everything and all your problems will go away. And and that's really not how it is. 
Steve does not encourage children running away from home. No. <laughs> so, Steve, can you sum up what you just said? I think the thing is... Because I, we... I want to be clear on it before I respond. Okay. And, that, and that's just pretty much that people run from what they don't want to deal with when they're when they're younger instead of confronting something and you know the the thing is they'll they'll come back so how's that different than what i said though as it being a sign of immaturity running no that i'm i'm right with you there that's what i'm okay i just kind so of we're expanded agreeing. on we're, it we're, yeah i agree we're with we're on the that. same page with this one right. okay gotcha gotcha okay and then the chorus just repeats it and that's how the song ends so um that's that's that for that part of it now how do you guys think, based on the meaning of the song, that the overall sound, that sort of soft sound, contributes to it? I feel like the song starts out pretty calm and quiet, and it, um, and um, as the song um, moves along, it kind of gets louder and more intense. So it has this really cool um, build to it. I don't quite know how that goes along with the song's meaning. Maybe because at the end the guy comes back so it's more intense I, I don't know right okay actually every time i listen to this song because i usually like to listen to the album chronologically that's just the best way to get the the concept that's how it's meant to be listened to. right exactly i don't usually pick specific songs unless i'm in the mood for something you know specific but as this song always starts out i always want to hit that skip button on this song oh i know well, it does start off slow. It but, starts um, off slow, and I and I think that you and I are on the same page that sometimes the slow songs are just not always our favorite. But the way that this song builds up is pretty darn awesome. And I swear one of the mm-hmm. things I like to listen to is you get a different sound listening to it with headphones, earbuds, all that stuff, than you do on speakers. And And that was one thing to really kind of sit down and listen to it deeply there with headphones. That build-up that Diane's referring to is really pretty darn cool, and and it sounded yeah. familiar to me, or at least slightly familiar. Why? Well, it ha- it has an '80s vibe, and and I think that was probably part of how Taylor, when she wrote this song and was working with Nathan Chapman, was probably like, "I want it to have an '80s vibe. What can you do for this?" Mm-hmm. And, and actually, what popped into my mind i kept listening to the build up there the little synthesizer bit there probably about if you listen about a minute and five seconds into the song you'll hear it start mm-hmm. um it actually sounds like uh the beginning of chariots of fire by i um, don't know this song you don't know this song it's a classic 80s song yeah it's by uh vangelis it's in a movie. Yes. My mom could probably tell you what the movie's called. <laughs> that, that is what the movie's called. Oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, that's that's just the theme to the, the movie. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, we'll link it in the show notes because I really, it sounds very similar in a way. And it, that's okay. the first thing that popped into my mind and kind of gives this song that 80s vibe is about a minute into it. And I like it. And as soon as that's that really part interesting. starts, yeah, it's... I won't. I need to it. go back and listen for that. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. now that you pointed out, I need to go back and listen for it on headphones. Um, now, Steve, you did mention talking about listening to it in chronological order through it because the concept album, and we mentioned briefly that it is placed between "How You Get the Girl" and "I Know Places." 
Do you guys see why? Because it seems very clear to me when you think of the story. Yeah, definitely. It's just when this um, man comes back into well, her life. Well, that's the point is I think it's an interesting sort of uh, placement or it's an important placement on the album being where it is because um, I, I mean, not as much with how you get the girl as I know places, but still with a little bit of both because it's a turning point. It's a turning point in the relationship where he, he leaves, he comes back and that's the point we were talking about earlier about how the second part of the relationship was the one that was very highly publicized. And then all of a sudden you jump into I know places where they're together again and outrunning the media mm-hmm. who are the fox or the no. hunters. They're the hunters. They're the foxes. <laughs> yes. The media is the hunters. But I mean, of course, we'll get more deeply into that. But I, I just thought that was important to point out. And by more deeply, I mean when we do I Know Places analysis. I should have been clear when I said that. <laughs> as soon as that came out, I was like, wait a second. I don't even know what I'm talking about. How I knew what know? you meant. I can translate for Adam. But you didn't. I had to translate for myself on that one. I just one. didn't feel like it. Um, but anyway, that's why I think it's placed between those two songs is because it's an important turning point in the relationship that jumps into the I Know Places. Mm-hmm. Goes from one part to the next. And this is the the turning point in between mm-hmm. now if you guys don't have any other thoughts on it i don't want to cut you off if you do but i would like to jump into ranking the song if you guys are ready so we're not doing director's chair people love director's chair we should do no, that director chair. i didn't have a clever idea and when i don't have a good idea i just want to skip it what was oh, okay before charge, i'll give you it. i'll give you guys a little time on on the director's chair i just want to point out one other thing in the lyric booklet so the picture that's opposite the page of the lyrics is a picture of taylor kind of looks like she's sitting on like the top part of the couch looking out a window and the lyrics are when you're young you just run but you come back to what you need so i thought that was kind of a a neat thing that is neat Hmm. and it's also she's looking out a window it's like she's waiting for somebody right you know, it's kind of one of those where you're looking, hoping that they'll come back. That's kind of what I'm seeing there in that that visual of it. That is really interesting, Steve. Is that your interpretation for director's chair, how you would make this into a music video? Uh, I mean, this is kind of, this is a tough one to, to probably make into a music video. I, this whole thing just needs to be its own movie. Yeah. Like 1989, <laughs> the movie, and if then just go through the whole story. Yes, Adam, this was a movie. I did that. Yes. But but I, I don't know if there's anything too specific here. I mean, I'm trying to think. Well, if Diane's you... the one that called me out on skipping the segment. Why don't we put her on the spot? Okay, I'm ready. All right. I actually have something. Ooh. When I first heard this song, I thought about um, this girl um, on a beach next to a lighthouse Um waiting for a um a ship to come back in Ooh. so the ship could be you know the the um man she's that waiting she for her sailor yeah to come home yeah a sailor went to ccc i mean that's kind of simple but i just see you know some sort of um um ocean setting I just hope he's not. Well, on a I mean, obviously, ship. there's an ocean setting. Like it right. would be, I, like yeah, it, o- but it opens very up. Very literal, with, um, though. Like that's how I would see it. Like yeah, I wouldn't well, do I mean, any sort of metaphor or put it in like a high school or something. But like no, of course not. But that's how this was written: was using the ocean as a visual. 
Yeah. And uh, a metaphor for the feelings and, uh, you know, things like that. That's how it was written. So, of course, that would be the obvious go-to, Daniel. <laughs> you were not clever enough for me on this one. I like the lighthouse idea. because You are voted off the island. Because um, a lighthouse's purpose is, su- is supposed to show the ships where the land is so they know where to go. Help them come back home. Right, yeah. exactly. Yes, because they leave home and then they need to come back. Exactly. Steve gets it. Okay, you went on the lighthouse concept, but not the ocean one. Aight. Okay. Alright, so Steve, if you had to put this on a scale of 1 to 13, with 1 being terrible and 13 being amazingly awesome, where would you place this song? I'm fighting between 11 and 12. That's kind of what I've usually... If it's not a song that just blows me away, I, I keep going towards those numbers i'm gonna go with 12 just because i love that synthesizer part that starts about a minute in a 12 diane 13 13 i would also give it a 13 only because i'm giving every song on this album a 13 except welcome to you're New so York. boring steve yeah. i sh- are you gonna go back 13? and edit that episode so it doesn't you... say that yeah i need to go back and like change the episode you uh, uh, hate slow songs, so what's going on? I do. However, how could I ever knock any points from a song Taylor did on her own? Yeah, I'm definitely partial to songs she's written by herself. Like, I think that's a big deal, the fact that this is the only song on the album that is only credited to her. Right. And, and, and we've always given a lot of points for lyrical content, and I think that's what pushed me from 11 to 12 on this. Is I the, thought it was the synthesizer. Well, the synthesizer part. <laughs> I can't say that word. Synth- yeah, that's not Synthesizer. Yes. There synthesizer. we go. Yes. But, Taylor talk. Vocab word that but not only that, but the lyrics are rather strong in this too. So you put mm-hmm. those two elements together, you have to go 12 or 13. There's no doubt. All right. Yeah, that's that's true. Lyrics. Yeah, the lyrics are phenomenal in this. Plus, it's nice it, to have a Nathan Chapman track on this album, which which I didn't until I started looking through. I didn't even notice that. I mean, the songs go so well together; you can't even tell sometimes when it's a different producer there—the one she's done with Jack Antonoff or Ryan Tedder. Yet or, sometimes you can. Sometimes you can, or or Max Martin and Shellback. Yeah. So. All right. Well, that's it for that discussion. Um, thank you to Rachel for suggesting that. Hope you guys enjoyed it. It is one of the less talked about songs on the album. And, and so we wanted to throw it out there and talk about it and, and just sort of share thoughts and toss around ideas. And that was that. So we have a couple more segments before we finish up the show. We have what are or, uh, sorry, you know, your Swifty when slash if Swifties rule the world. And let's open it up with a voicemail from Grace. Grace, take it away. Hey, Taylor Talk, it's Grace. You know you're Swifty when you write two papers on Taylor Swift in one re- week and they both get A's. Yay! Um, have a great day. Bye. Well, Grace, uh, we have our resident English teacher here on the show. Diane, would you give a paper about Taylor Swift an A? Yeah. What's kind of funny is if I were your teacher, I would not even finish reading it. I mean, I would read it because it's about Taylor, but I wouldn't even question anything. It would just be. I hard. wrote a paper once on Taylor Swift, and I got a B plus. So Ooh. my professor was obviously not a fan. Wow. Yeah. The Sucks. nerve. Well, yeah, <laughs> Diane, how do you know it was a B plus though? That could have been a thirteen, and they just happened to put them too close together, and it looked like a B. Oh. Because it was like an eighty something percent. Oh. Oh. Well, it was like eighty six or something like that. It wasn't okay. an 
No, that would have been clever though, wouldn't mm, yes. it? Yes. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Um, this next one comes from XT Swift thirteen thirteen, and they say, "You know, you're Swifty when you name your cat Romeo, not from the play, but from Love Story." Yeah. <laughs> oh. Are you sure it's not named after Lil Romeo, who had a very Short an even career. littler career? <laughs> Next one, Emma emailed us and said, you know you're a Swifty slash Taylor talker when you realize that in 2015, Taylor Talk will have its 200th episode. Congrats, guys. You rock. Are we seriously having our 200th episode wow. this year? That makes us feel old. We've been doing this way too long. You know, I was thinking about how long it would take us to get to our 1,000th uh, Oh, episode. no, don't think that. And then I was like, that would get confusing with the numbers. Like, this is um, episode 1315. <laughs> <laughs> well, 200th episode this year. We're old. I guess time to shut down. This is Taylor Talk's last episode, what? everybody. Episode 168. Nonsense. <laughs> Bye, guys. Nonsense. Tuning off forever. See ya. We got to do something special for 200, though. I mean, that's pretty obvious. But let's still. start thinking now. Yay. Send us your suggestions. It's still 32 weeks away. No, it's still this year, though. That is this year. You're yep. right. I got the next one here. It's from Seabass uh, underscore one underscore one on Twitter. You know, you're Swifty slash fan of the podcast when your New Year's resolution is to have a shout out in the podcast. Hey, well, there it is. You Shout just got it from Steve. You. Yeah, you made Shout it. Shout out. You made it. Now what do you like do with the rest of the year if your year, New Year's yeah. resolution has already been accomplished? Right. <laughs> How about send us a voicemail? That'll oh, be the next yeah. one. <laughs> this one is from Tea Time Swift, and they say, you know you're Swifty when you start to scare your friends away by talking about Taylor too much. I think your friends would be absolutely terrified of us then. What kind of yeah. friends are those if they, they get scared away when you talk about Taylor? How dare they? You need to find better friends. <laughs> <laughs> what Steve said. All right, so Patrick emailed us and said, you know you're Swifty when you've become a bigger fan of Taylor than your girlfriend, even though she's the one that got you into Taylor in the first place. Uh, Boom. Uh, Male best, Swifty pride. Yeah. World's best boyfriend ever. That's what that Fist guy bump. gets. Fist <laughs> bump. Okay, and the uh, next one comes from Lorezap on Twitter. You know you're Swifty when you wear a Taylor uh, t-shirt every 13th month. Oh, every, every 13th, 13th of the month. The- 13th. <laughs> I was like, when do we get a 13th month? Because that would be awesome. But <laughs> yes. Then you realize you just read it wrong. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. That, w- that, that might not be a bad idea. I might have to start doing that myself. The thirteenth of each month has been officially, unofficially dubbed Swift Day, so or Tay Day, Tay Day. Yeah, ooh, I like that. Yeah, that's cute. Um, this next one comes from Swift Instinct, and they say, "You know, you're Swifty when you buy Taylor merchandise and just don't care about how much you spend for it." Oh, of all the episodes for Sammy to not be on, that describes her like to a T. <laughs> I don't even think Sammy looks at what prices are. She just clicks buy and enters a credit card number. <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you to everybody who sent those in those were phenomenal keep them coming for future weeks you guys know there's a, a variety of ways to contact us um it just whatever way actually send us voicemails that's preferred because then you get to hear your voice on which yeah. is pretty cool you get a shout out that way it's great and well everybody gets a shout out but they actually get to hear their own voice on the podcast and it gives people a nice break from our voices surely our voices get dull after a while no? Eh, yours, yours does, does sometimes. 
<laughs> I was actually thinking about saying that, and then I, there was the pause. That, that's like and that's like Steve a wooden oh, that's like so a wooden stake okay. through the heart, Steve. We should give out shout-outs to people that send us email, though. We do. Like, to our personal accounts, though. Yes. Someone's been emailing me, and her <laughs> name is Annabelle. We already gave her a shout-out for her birthday. I know, but I really like her. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of voicemails, we have one more voicemail before we go. What are Swifties listening to submission from another Grace? Both voicemails today are from different Graces. So, other Grace, take it away, please. Hi, Adam. Sorry, that was loud. <laughs> it's Grace from China again. Yeah, the one that emailed you a couple times back. Um, I just wanted to uh, take part in the segment, What Are Swifties Listening To? And I have a couple one, couple ones, and you can um, choose. But one of them is George Ezra, Wanted on a Voyage, and The Bleachers with Jack Antonoff, Dream Your Life Away, Vance Joy, and Islands by Bear's Den. Those are some of my favorites and some of my Swifty fans' favorites. So just thought I'd share. Happy New Year. Bye, guys. Uh, so, Grace, this voicemail was just to me or the whole panel? No, I'm kidding. I'm <laughs> kidding. So, you did list quite a few there. Um, I want to suggest, what out of yours, Vance Joy, Dream Your Life Away, that is the album. And I suggest that not because I have necessarily listened to the entire album, but because it doesn't hurt to familiarize yourself with the person who's going to be opening for Taylor on the 1989 yep. tour. Steady up. So that way, because I don't know about you guys, but Sometimes I've been to concerts and I have not known who the opener is ahead of time. And it makes the opener end up being really boring because you don't know any of the songs. Yeah, it makes it awkward. So I like to try to at least know like one song so I can feel like I'm part of something for five minutes. I like to be surprised and make up the lyrics as I go. Good for you. That's (laughs) that's where Starbucks lovers has come from and all those other great (laughs) lines. When When we don't know exactly what it is, but it sounds good. That actually reminds me of uh, when Ed Sheeran was opening on the Red Tour and he said something. He's like, he's like, yeah, if you know the lyrics, sing along. If you don't, just make something up. That's more he fun. did say that, right? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. He, he did. Well, I get confused because I've seen him in performances other than the Red Tour. So I wasn't sure if that's what he said during Red or not. And one last thing before we go. Diane's like yawning. She's like, really? One more thing? Seriously? Adam just keeps talking and talking. Well, I have one last shout out to give, and that is to somebody who goes by the name of Taylor Talk Lover on iTunes who gave us a review. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, We really appreciate the reviews because they let us know how we're doing. And, you know, while we do have that survey going on, which I'm reminding you guys of, you can go to taylortalk.org slash survey, and you can take that. Um, I did forget to mention something about that earlier, which I'll get to in a sec, but while that is going on, that's only going to be going for the month of January, where iTunes, you can give us feedback 24-7, and it really, really helps us craft the future of the show, and knowing, well, knowing what we're doing, or how we're doing, and what you guys are liking, and what you're not liking so much, so those reviews really help, so Taylor Talk Lover, thank you for the review, I appreciate it. And it also makes us look good if we get five-star ratings. That it does, but I wasn't going to encourage anyone. I don't want anyone to be dishonest on their review. If you think we only deserve four stars instead of five, that's okay as well. Anything below four, though, forget it. Don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm kidding, of course. Uh, Please review as honestly as you can so we can give you guys the best show we can. 
And speaking of that feedback, like I said, we do have that survey going on at taylortalk.org slash survey. And the great thing about this survey is that one person who responds to it is going to be randomly selected at the end of January to win their very own No It's Becky t-shirt. So if you missed out on getting one of those, it's just like the one Taylor wore, that nice uh, vomit yellow color. <laughs> maybe that's not a good description. Vomit is but... not. Maybe like mustard yellow. Mustard, mustard yellow. Mustard there accurate. it is. It is the same yellow that Taylor wore. Same font says No It's Becky on it. Printed on a beautiful American apparel fabric. It's very soft. Ooh. Great to sleep in. That's also what I great slept in last out. night. FYI. Not the one we're giving away. She did not sleep. You're not. The winner is not getting a used T-shirt. No, I want that um, one. <laughs> but one one uh, person's gonna be randomly selected to win that. But everybody gets something really cool at the end of the survey, and that is a beautiful PDF document that our very own Diane designed. And that document has the how-to step-by-step guide to making Taylor's chai tea sugar cookie recipe Ooh. that she made over the holidays and gave to Secret Sessioners. So they're really good. They're really good cookies, and not everybody got to go to a Secret Session, so it's worth making on your own just so you can taste the awesomeness of them. And that everybody who takes the survey gets. So I would suggest taking the survey because if you don't win the T-shirt, you at least get the yummy, yummy cookies. Counts for something, right? Mm-hmm. But I have to make these cookies. You have to make them. Yes, they don't come with cookies, uh, unfortunately. I can't send cookies through email, Steve. I'm sorry. I, th- I thought you could do that in a PDF file. Uh, maybe when in the age of 3D printers, maybe they'll start making you cookies. You still can't eat them, though. <laughs> yeah, they'd be plastic cookies then. But anyway, again, that link is taylortalk.org slash survey. Let us know how we're doing. Get your recipe. Potentially get a Becky t-shirt. TaylorTalk.org slash survey. Oh, are we I, done? I'm out of breath. I do have to remind <laughs> everyone that if they want to contact us, visit TaylorTalk.org slash contact. I really don't want to list off all the methods this episode, but you can voicemail, email, Facebook, all kinds of stuff like that. Twitter, Instagram. Um, Twitter, Instagram, Tumblr now. Tumblr. New Tumblr account. Taylor I need Talk, to get Taylor Talk Podcast is the name on Tumblr, so I do have to give you guys that one because that is not yet on the contact page. I haven't added it to the website. Ooh. So that is that. So only like 20 different things you have to remember for this episode, and that is taylortalk.org slash survey, uh, taylortalk.org slash contact, and taylortalk.org slash episode 168. All right, three things, not 20. <sighs> Forgive me. For Taylor Talk episode 168, this has been Adam, Diane, and Steve. Saying have a great week, guys. We'll see you all next time. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. This podcast is not directly affiliated with Taylor Swift.